Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy at KidsViews.com. Back in the studio today after my week off, my super relaxing week off of working all day. <laughs> um, I'm in the studio today with Amy Oztan of SelfishMom.com. Hello. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. <laughs> um, we have a couple really good topics coming up. I think, you know, summer is in the air for those of us with kids in New York City public schools. They still have two weeks to go. Oh, my God. Can, I always thought that was so insane. It's pretty I mean, insane. you just sent off their camp bags. I today. did. I just sent this morning. I sent their camp bags off. But um, not only do they have two weeks to go, but my son this is the first time I've ever had a kid in high school. My son technically has two weeks, but he only has like three days of school in that two weeks. My daughter. Oh, yeah, too. they don't go to school at all. My yeah. daughters yeah. have regents exams, so they have like yeah. no school. And then they have graduation. But we'll pretend they have two more weeks of school. Um, so our mind has started to turn. So we have two topics today, really summer-focused. The first, we're going to have an amazing guest on, Sandy Chen, who joined us last year, um, who we're going to start running down summer book list for your older kids, for tweens and teens, which is a much harder group to come by. There's not so many recommendations out there. They're reading on their own. You kind of need to know what the lowdown is. And our second topic will be unplugging and unconnecting from your child this summer, (laughs) whether (laughs) they're at camp or maybe even if they're not at camp, um, what it would be like to kind of give everybody an unplugged break this summer. So we're going to jump right in. We have Sandy Chen on the phone. Hi, Sandy. Hello, ladies. Sandy is an amazing movie and book reviewer. She writes for so many things, um, among them Common Sense Media, which I think every parent uses as a resource, certainly for movies. They should be using it for books, too, um, for Kirkus and for We Need Diverse Books. And Sandy knows all things YA. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is what I think. And, and let's admit it, YA, we're pretending we're talking about it for your tweens and teens, but it has to be the hottest literary market now for women. I was Don't just going to say, like, sometimes in the summer, if I'm going to the beach and I just want a quick, easy, you know, read that's going to just completely capture my attention, I get a YA book, like something that my nieces have read. So totally. I'm, well, I'm, I've got my, you know, I'm ready to make a list here. Well, Sandy, I sent my, I sent a bunch of the books he recommended to my kids last year at summer camp. And there were several where I, I put in a note saying, make the, sure this comes back with you because <laughs> I want to read it. Don't trade it away. And I did. I read that Romanoff's book, which oh, was me too. Excellent. So excellent. Yeah, no, I mean, the great thing about YA is that it is sort of a marketing term more than anything because really uh, the majority of people who read and buy YA are adult women. So um, really I don't think that there is any shame or embarrassment, obviously not on my part, about reading young adult literature. And for me it's been a really great way to connect with my kids and especially my 11-year-old and my 14-year-old. And so we do a lot back-to-back reading where I'll read something with them and then we talk about it we do a lot of audiobooks so there's just a lot of ways with YA to keep connecting with your teen readers sorry about that I never get calls and of course when I'm on (laughs) (laughs) it's okay Uh, it's technology so do you want me to just start delving into some of the books I think would be great to add to your kids summer reading list yes jump right in okay so one of the things that I have noticed is that we sort of go in waves in terms of trends. And one of the big trends, which I have found delightful because I love them, are historical novels in YA. Mm -hmm. And specifically this past year, there have been some wonderful World War II books 
that really blew me away. And the first one is a debut book by a Washington Post editor and, um, and writer. Her name is Monica Hess. And she wrote this book called The Girl in the Blue Coat. And it's about a Dutch girl who um, is doing some sort of petty smuggling for her boss. And then one day gets asked by a woman, and she thinks she's just going to get asked to get more coffee or to get nylons, all of which were very difficult to get at the time. But instead, she's asked to look for a missing person. And it turns out that this woman had been hiding a Jewish girl who was her, hus- her late husband's um, partner's daughter. She's the only remaining living child of that family. And she had been hiding in her house and now needs this girl to help her find the the missing girl because she doesn't know what happened to her and one day she was in the house and one day she's not so it's a really really well done story about dutch resistance and how this girl gets sort of caught up in it um in a way you know she had she thought she had been doing her part and all of a sudden sort of has to jump in into this very kind of dramatic way into seeing what's really going around going going on around her especially when it comes to the dutch jews so that book wonderful uh and i just can't wait to see if monica writes more books because this one was i mean i read it in basically one sitting and my husband kicked me out of the bed (laughs) on um another wonderful world war ii book is called salt to the sea by ruda sepetes and it is about um the sinking of a ship and it is not a really well-known story and she just delved into it because the people on the ship were german so a lot of people don't really concentrate on it but really there were a ton of civilians so the story is a multiple point of view story about all of these different kinds of young adults who are heading toward that port to try to get away from the advancing red army um in prussia as, because they were all doing horrible things to people. So each of the different teens has their own story, and one girl is Polish, and one boy is Prussian, and he's an art forger, and um, one girl is a Lithuanian nurse who can pass as German. And it's just, and then one boy is an actual, um, you know, Nazi. And it's just about how wow. each of these kids are sort of coming together in this sort of fateful moment to end up being on this ship. Um, so again, wonderfully written. Again, I see that book as being something that adults could read at a, for a book club. It's so well done. Um, on the nonfiction side, there's a great book called The White Rose Student Resistant Movement that defied Adolf Hitler, and that is quite obviously about the student <laughs> resistant movement called The White Rose, and um, I think there have been movies that have been about that, but this is a very accessible book, even for slightly under 12 readers, I would say a mature 9- and 10-year-old would be able to read it um, about these, you know, these young students who took a stand against the Nazis and obviously didn't end up being a happy story, but it's a very important story. Um, on the flip side of World War II, there is um, a great book called You Can Fly about the Tuskegee Airmen and the story and the struggles of um, of those men, and it's also told uh, in a very poetic manner. And I recently discovered through my Ancestry.com uh, connections that I am actually related to a Tuskegee Airman. Wow, that's wow. cool. I bought that book for for my children. So that is sort of, I promise no more World War II books, but that <laughs> is sort of um, a few books that, while you might not think that they're summer appropriate, they actually are so 
well written and you get so immersed in the stories that they're actually quite quick reads, um, which is very important when you've got teens who get easily bored. And so I think this is a great way to teach them about something that they might not know about, but also um, just really well written books. And so I think that these are easily something that you could read with your teens. And that sounds like a good um, for people that have boys who are reluctant readers, which mm-hmm. we hear a lot. Um, those seem like really good reads that a boy would, you know, enjoy and actually like do on their own. Absolutely. And I have two more books that are sort of um, great for boys or girls. One is for um, for sci-fi fans. There's this wonderful book called Illumini, and it's by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. And that's a found documents thriller, and it takes place in a distant future. It's uh, 2575, and it's about two high schoolers who really thought the worst thing about this particular day was that they had just broken up and were going to have to see each other in school. But then all hell breaks loose. Um, they're on a different planet, and it's sort of like Battlestar Galactica, like that first Ooh. episode where <laughs> there's a huge catastrophe, and they both have to flee, but they end up on different sh- ships in this evacuating fleet, and it really has to do with how, even though they've broken up, of course, they still have feelings for each other, But so there's romance, but it really takes a back seat to all of this really intense stuff that they're finding out. Um, so that is My Son. It's a huge book, but because there's it's a lot of documents that you're reading, you just get through it really, really fast. And my 14-year-old son loved it and actually passed it along to several of his friends. Oh, great. Um, another great book, which is actually, um, it's really a trilogy that finally finished, and that's called The Fifth Wave by Rick Yancey. And that has come out for like three summers in a row, but the final book, The Last Star, finally came out. And so now you could have a kid, what I call binge reading um, <laughs> that series without having to stop and wait for the next book to come out. And that's an alien, alien invasion story. And unlike Illumini, which takes place, you know, obviously hundreds of years in the future, this, base, this basically takes place tomorrow. Like it's just about the alien invasion hits, it comes in waves, it starts killing off the majority of the population on Earth. And you've got these teens who are sort of stuck trying to survive no matter the cost. And that is a really kind of well-done, unputdownable series. I didn't love the final book as much as I loved the first one, but I would say that that is usually the case with trilogies and with series. It's interesting because I think kids really love a good series and trilogy. Like there's such a sense of accomplishment when you finish it. Absolutely, and I think that now that there are a couple that have had such satisfying final books, I I can't wait to sort of put all of them in people's hands. And one of those is called The Winner's Curse series by Marie Rakowski. She's actually a Shakespearean professor at Brooklyn College. She's a beautiful writer, and it's a trilogy that's set set in a fantasy universe in which a girl named Kestrel, it belongs to the privileged occupying population of slave owners, and she's a general's daughter, but she ends up impulsively buying this handsome musician named Aaron at an auction because she really doesn't, she's afraid of what will happen to him if somebody wow. else ends up with him. But it turns out that that was the plan all along because Aaron is actually in her household to spy for an underground rebellion. And that sets up the first book, but, um, but it really is three books of romance and of really a lot of social political commentary and really just so well done. Marie is a beautiful writer, and you really get the sense of how these characters are dealing with these very difficult issues. So I love that trilogy, and that final book came out earlier this year. And then from the bestsellers list, 
Maggie Steve Otter, who's local to me here. She lives in Virginia. Um, she wrote this book called The Raven Cycle. It's a four-book mm-hmm. series. It started with The Raven Boys, and it just finished with The Raven King. And I just cannot tell you what, emotion, what an emotional experience it is to read this book. It really is, you know, kind of... On one level, it's about these um, boarding school boys in the mountains of Virginia who end up befriending a girl who lives in a home of all psychics and clairvoyants, and she sees on the very first page, she can help her mother see all of the people who are going to die that year, and she sees this boy, and the boy ends up being um, one of the four boys that she ends up being friends with, and um, so it's supernatural, but it is incredible, and there are a lot of diverse themes in it, there is a gay romance in it, there is multiple straight romances in it, but again, the romances sort of... It covers all the bases. Yeah, all the books have romance because they are for teens, and teens have um, crazy hormones. But the romances <laughs> are not the central point of any of the books that I'm mentioning. They're there, but it's really about so much about sort of finding who you are and being your own person and letting go of the major chips that we all have on our shoulders when we're insecure and 16, 17, 18. So, um, so that book series. She is huge. She's been selling out, I mean, even free ticketed events, book wow. findings across the country, and um, an amazing uh, quartet of books that your kids are just going to be able to sort of zip right through. What do, you, what do you think in terms of the classics your kid should read um, as they get older? Because I was having this discussion with someone the other day about um, Jane Austen. Mm. I was having this conversation about when, because I devoured those books, and I really do think that as much as my daughters read, their attention span is different. I see it. Yeah. And I, um, I, one of them was reading Pride and Prejudice, and I realized it was hard for her to read on her own and uh-huh. fully understand it. Whereas I know I don't, didn't had no problem reading it on my own at her right. age and understanding it, but they're not used to reading that much, like dense rich literature anymore on their I, own I had the same problem with Fiona when she wanted to read Little Women she kept stopping because there was so much in it she didn't understand and I was like sweetie you know I've read it a million times come to me I can explain the parts that you don't get and she said well how did you understand it when you were a kid and I said well I really didn't I just <laughs> no I just I just kept reading it and not understanding parts and then each time I read right. it I understood a little bit more and I don't think she's willing to do that Right. It's a different, that's it, found that too. And they enjoyed it. But so we watched, one of my daughters read Pride and Prejudice and then we watched the BBC mm. miniseries and she was like, oh, she was pregnant? Because you know, we can't ever say that in the book. Like she, because this whole idea of someone, of a girl being ruined, she didn't understand. Right. Like why would she be ruined? Like so? So like she had a fling with the right. soldier dude. Right. Like why? Deal. Yeah. Like so what? That's I'm like, oh funny. no, no, no. <laughs> like that one, like well, she totally didn't it's understand. It's also funny because I was just talking to my sister about my niece's summer reading and you know, it used to be, you know, ages ago, Catcher in the Rye, you know, and like these classics, 1984. And now the summer reading in high school is um, The Kite Runner and A Thousand Splendid Sons mm. and more modern new, takes. New classics. Yeah, new classics, I guess. I think it's harder to read a classic on your own. I, do, I really don't know why. I'm sure people have done studies of like how our BuzzFeed brains don't work the same <laughs> way anymore. But they they read those books in school, but they're not 
picking them up on their own. Even when I give them to them, I it's harder for them. I don't actually think that there's anything wrong with them reading it in school in the sense that obviously they're getting all the context that is very difficult to get if they're just trying to read it for pleasure. Mm-hmm. But one thing that you could do, and you already mentioned this, is all of these classics have film adaptations, and this mm-hmm. is where my, my movie reviewer hat comes on, which <laughs> is to say to read it and then see it. Um, or to flip it and see it and then read it because they still get something out of it and because they've seen it. And I know that's sort of the flip of what we're always advocating. But once they've seen it or they see maybe an, uh, a modernization, so, oh, if they're having to read Othello or Clueless, mm-hmm. right? And we did that. Exactly. <laughs> so you... So you can see a modern version, 10 Things I Hate About You, and then you can go back and read and go, oh, I get it. This is what this is about. So I found that that's what helped with my son when he was doing a Shakespeare unit was to just sort of show him the modernizations and the adaptations, and then it, and then it really worked, or even West Side Story, right? So right. Um, not that kids really need help figuring out Romeo and Juliet, but there's, there's enough of that that you can do it, or you can pair it with another book that is really similar, and that, is a, that actually is a really good way to still um, go into a library and ask for good pairings, because off the top of my head, that might be difficult, but librarians love that question, which is to say, if I want my child to read The Count of Monte Cristo, what are other kind of revenge-based books that they might be able to read. So That's so I, funny you said that because that's exactly the book that I went to get for my daughters because it was my favorite book. I mean, I loved that book. And I went to Barnes & Noble with them and I was like, this summer you're reading The Count of Monte Cristo. And I picked that thing up and I was like, I don't remember it being a thousand pages. Like, I, was like, I was like, oh my God. Right. Like even I was like, I, what did I do? How did I, what? Um, and seriously, almost I was like, maybe I'll get them the abridged version. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought then at least they get mm-hmm. the story and it's still the language. I mean, they're just translated anyway, but maybe I'll get them the abridged version because it's not so daunting. And then... I actually really recommend audiobooks when it comes mm. to a classic, but because because it's That's being performed idea. and obviously the actor narrating it completely understands the story, hearing it, which is still reading it, anybody will tell you that reading an audiobook is still reading, <laughs> um, I think it actually can quite help, um, especially uh, the readers who might still be having a little bit of trouble with the language. Um, and for me, that has been really helpful, too. And I love audiobooks, so in our family, they're, they're quite a, a common way that we experience books. That makes a lot of sense. You know, it's interesting, too, because last year, one of my daughters tried to tackle David Copperfield. And, you know, what I forgot about Dickens when I was just like, yes, David Copperfield, was that because he was writing a serial, he probably wouldn't have written so much mm. <laughs> had he not had to write a certain number of pages every month, right? So kind there's... like early blogging. Right. <laughs> there's so much description in there. And I do think it can, like, weigh them down. Mm-hmm from getting through the story. Absolutely. And another thing is to look up, even with current books, like other books that you can frame it around, so sort of like pitching the book to them. <laughs> so one of my favorite books from this past year is called Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. And the way that I always explain it, and you can see it in many reviews of the book, is that it's Ocean's Eleven meets X-Men. <laughs> and it's, uh, and which is like, that. if that doesn't get a kid interested, I don't know what will. Sometimes kids don't know what Ocean's Eleven is, so I'll say Guardians of the Galaxy meets right. X-Men. And it's this wonderful story set in a fantasy universe in which a group of misfits come together to commit this nearly impossible heist. And once you've said that, there's just no way a kid's not going to be interested in it. And that book is amazing. Like, the character, the lead character is like this. I mean, they're anti-heroes, right? They're, they're right. criminals. And they're prop. 
and the, the main character, Kaz, and it takes place in sort of like an analog to the Netherlands, right? But like 19th century, the Netherlands. And um, Kaz has a cane, and he walks with the cane, but he is so badass. It almost doesn't, it doesn't matter that he has a disability um, because he's amazing. And they, each of the characters, each of the six, characters involved has different issues and yet you get so involved and you want to root for them so you're rooting for these criminals because they're teenagers and they're doing what they have to do to survive and it's really i just think she is brilliant and the second book comes out this fall so if they read that this summer immediately they'll want to read the the the, you know the final and that's it's nice too because it's just two books and there's so many trilogies and quartets that it's nice when it's just a duology well, that's awesome. These are all amazing mm-hmm. recommendations. Um, I wish, honestly, I feel like I could have you on for like two hours and just keep talking about books. Um, so maybe what we'll do is we'll have you on again in the fall. Mm, at for, the, school. for school. For back to school. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies, for having me on again. I could talk about books all day. <laughs> We're just going to start a separate all- book podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, I wish you all luck in getting your kids to read this summer and thanks again. Thanks, Sandy. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We will be right back with our second topic, unplugging from your kid this summer. You can do it. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. This week, we are brought to you by Weebly. You know that great idea you have, the one you've been sitting on, the one everyone agrees is amazing, but now what? Seriously, don't you guys want to start like a book blog now? (laughs) I just don't want to die. I have a great idea now. Books, books, books. Time to get your idea out to the world with your own professional quality website, blog, or online store. That's why I want to share how easy it is to get started with Weebly. Weebly was created for people with the courage to start their own business and the dream to be their own boss. You don't need to be a web designer or know how to code to create a fantastic website. There is no intimidation here. We were super impressed with the wide variety of professionally designed, mobile-friendly themes to choose from. You just drag and drop and quickly build and publish your site. It's that easy. You can customize, update, change your site anytime on any device. So while you're traveling, you've got your phone with you, you've got your tablet with you, no problem. Super cool. Creating a fantastic website shouldn't get in the way of your dreams. Join the over 30 million people who are already dreaming big with Weebly. Get started today for free at weebly.com slash parenting. That's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com slash parenting. Weebly.com slash parenting. Um, and if you put up a site, let us see it. Send us a link. We are very curious to see what people are building on Weebly. And great summer project. Oh, yeah. Build a blog. Or for your kids. For your kids. It's perfect. Get on Weebly. Let them design a website. You'll all feel like there's learning going on, but they'll have fun. <laughs> and they could start a book blog. And tell us what and they're reading. it could reading. be their summer job. They could start websites for other people. <laughs> oh, my God. Totally. You yeah. know you know, you have neighbors out there with ideas. Yep. Let them pay your children to build it. Those are That's the tech jobs we approve <laughs> Entrepreneurial. of. Entrepreneurial. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So we are back with topic two. This is, um, we came up with this topic from a New York Times article. I think it was a blog post actually that came out this week um called phone sick at camp um yeah it's on the well blog right. section i love the well blog section it was uh jill Werman harris wrote it and this was really talking about sleepaway camps and 
you know, I, I wish I could say, like, I didn't know there were sleepaway camps that allowed cell phones. But I totally know sleepaway camps that allow cell phones um, well, because my friend's daughter goes to one. You know, if, if I had known when my daughter was seven, when she started at this at her camp, that they were kind of loose about that stuff, I might have thought twice about it. Because what happens is it starts with the staff kids. There's so many staff um. kids there. That, you know, their parents, oh, they have to be here all summer. We're going to be loose with the rules. So they have cell phones. And then Fiona gets mad that I won't let her bring a cell phone. I'm like, dude, no. Like, that's part of the reason why I'm sending you. Right. So... But then everyone should have the same restrictions. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they should just take the phones. phones. Um, So my daughter's camp allows music only. Um, so like bas- an iPod so th- touch? Nope. Can't have any access to apps. So they have a little teeny iPod Nano. Like a shuffle? Oh. <laughs> or a shuffle or a Nano. Yeah. They actually got the Nano because the Nano also has an FM radio. Ah. Okay. So they listen to like Portland radio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they get their top 40. How do they charge it? Your camp doesn't have electricity. So they have little battery chargers that take like four AA batteries. <laughs> yeah. and you, oh, wow. You know, the people use for yeah. camping, I guess. Yep. Um, so that is what they have. So they can listen to music, which I think they like to That's do. Yeah. And there's and kids who need it for sleep. Um, although maybe I'm now thinking put audiobooks on it, but I don't know. I guess I have to be an MP3. It can't be like audible.com. Yeah. Like, mm. But this was really interesting. They um, they had this study done with Common Sense Media that sixth graders who spent just five days at a tech-free sleepaway camp developed greater understanding of real-world interpersonal communication cues, including better ability to read facial expressions, make eye contact, interpret the tone yeah, of voice. Because you're looking at the person posture. when you talk to them as opposed to texting right. them. Right, and how about keeping appropriate <laughs> spatial distance? Oh, I thought yeah. that was That's unbelievable to me. And, you know, I, I know this sounds weird, but whenever they describe the traits of a kid who gets unplugged, they are describing kids on the spectrum like issues that people have where they wonder is my kid on the spectrum does my kid have some sort of you know I mean they put everyone socially awkward like my kid can't make eye contact my kid and there are kids who are genuinely on the spectrum right this is a this is a autism's a real issue this these are the symptoms of autism that get diagnosed but when every kid is suddenly exhibiting those symptoms because they're so used to only staring at their phone hmm. that they've lost the ability to make eye contact, you know, read facial cues. I mean, these are Talk the things that are taught in, you know, play therapy yeah. to kids. Wow. Um, you realize what a huge problem this is. You know, I mean, when my son went to camp, there were no, there were phones, but they didn't allow them, of course. And it wasn't a big thing because not everyone had a phone. I mean, they weren't as ubiquitous as mm-hmm. they are today. Right. And, uh, you know, that wasn't his sole form of communication. So I feel like he really did understand how to talk to people, how to have interpersonal relationships. But I do talk to friends whose kids go to camp today, and they say literally these kids are looking at each other for the first time. (laughs) They're really learning and understanding that when someone's talking to you, you make eye contact and you listen to them. You're not going through your phone. You're not texting. You're not doing likes on Instagram. And that it's such a whole new world of communicating. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that whole thing is I I think about us in the studio, how different the experience is when one of us calls in. Yeah. Yeah. Versus being in the studio. That's why I, I, yeah, a lot of these things um, I wish we could do with Skype, like when we have a call-in guest so that we could actually see them. Because there is something different to see people. And, you know, I see with my daughter's relationships with their camp friends. Some At one point, my daughter um, didn't want to go to the reunion. 
the camp reunion because there was so much texting and Instagramming and group chatting beforehand. And she's like, people are different at the reunion than they are at mm. camp. Oh, and they've I, like regressed. They regress. They totally regress. They bring in like their outside Michigas. Like their persona. Like, yeah, yeah. And she, and I was like, well, but it's the same girls. And she's like, yeah, it's different at camp. Oh, it's just different. Interesting. And, and this year they sort of got over that hump. But there was a point too where they took themselves off. They have a massive group chat with like 30 girls, all the camp girls. They kind of took themselves off of that for a little while because that was they were getting inundated and there was like a couple girls who were dominating conversation all the time all the time all the mm-hmm. time and they'd wake up and have 400 text messages oh my god so you think about that at camp they're not talking to each other 400 times a day and they're living together you know like yeah. this constant barrage um you know and one of the things that one of the camp people said in this article was that they make the staff also put their phones I away. I love that. Yeah. Right. So you can't, like, you can't, even if you're on a break or it's your day off, if someone sees a counselor, they're not sitting there on their phone or watching a video on their phone. You know, yep. they're doing the same thing. Well, my son, he goes away for only three weeks now. Um, you know, my daughter, she gets a six-week break from all of this stuff. My son, it's hilarious because when I, do I drop him off or does he take the bus? I don't even remember. I should check that out because it's it'll be happening. Um but when we part, he always gives me his phone in this like mock dramatic crying oh. display and kisses it and hands it over to me. Um, and then he's, you know, he's happy to get it back at the end. But I sense in him that there is relief that he's giving it up for a little while. Yeah. I don't sense that in my daughter. I think my daughter's going to have a hard time the first year they don't go to camp. Yeah. Partly for that. I mean, a they'll miss camp, but so I think nice also that. that they get to unplug for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and and like you can, it, it's it's because somebody else is making you do it. It's like blaming your parents for right. something. Like I needed this break, but I don't want to be the the uncool kid who just gives right. up my phone right. for a month. So here's the other thing they talked about, which is if your kid's at a camp that does allow cell phones, don't text your kid oh, yeah. all day how are you don't text them at all don't text them at all and maybe don't respond to their texts all the time because they can't part of what camp is about is making your own decisions yeah and if you're constantly checking in with your parent of is this decision right is this going out you're missing half the point of camp but there was this one great line in the article that said one kid texted her mom to ask if she liked ranch dressing (laughs) right <laughs> Rather than just try stick it. her finger in it and try it, <laughs> oh my God. she asked her mom. So let's talk about parents for a second because I think you're on the, the problem. Flip side, <laughs> you know, helicopter parents or parents. It, it's very funny, and I say this a lot. It, like I forget that I have a son. My son, who now lives in another state, texts me more than I text him. Hmm. Just checking in, mom. Everything okay? How are you? Because I just try not to be that mom and I'll engage in conversation with him when he does text me or he'll and then he's the one to pick up the phone and say I hate texting can we just talk please (laughs) but parents are so used to having that constant contact with their kids that for them it's really hard to give up the the freedom and the availability to be able to say are you okay do you need me and they have to really trust their kids to be able to figure it out and to work through whatever it is yeah you know my daughters both had um high school orientation this past week and the overriding message from the principals was please let your kids fail Mm-hmm. Let your kids fail. They're going to struggle freshman year. They're going to struggle that first semester, especially time management, organization, making new friends, everything. You have to let them fail because they only learn when they get through it and fail. Mm-hmm. If you swoop in 
and you were, you know, checking up on their homework every five seconds. They were like, do a check-in at the night. You know, certainly say, like, do you have something due? Whatever. But that's it. Like, you you cannot pad everything for them in high school. It's so hard for parents. But he must, I mean, especially one of my daughters, he must have said it a hundred times. I was like, I get it. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I thought, wow, this poor guy. Yeah. He must deal with parents calling all day long. You know, my yeah. child did this. My child did that. Your child leaves an assignment at home. Like, too bad. Your right. child, they were like, no, please let your kids fail. Well, I think about a year ago we had we were talking about the woman who had a webcam in her daughter's yes. dorm room so that she could wake, him, wake her up every morning. Yeah. Like, if you don't let go in high school... Then right. that's what you're going if to you do. If you haven't taught your kid how to set the alarm clock, <laughs> <laughs> by the time they graduate from high school, you're in trouble. Right. Yep. Um, but I do think for camp, so not everyone can send their kids to camp. Not everyone chooses to send their kids away to sleepaway camp. Try to do the same thing at home. If they go to day camp, don't send a cell phone with them. First of all, it's oh, going to get destroyed. That's a tough one because my, that's when we actually gave my son a device when he was going on the bus to camp because it was like an hour each way. So we had he an had old iPod that he, he had oh. something to do. But he probably didn't pull it out during the day that he was oh, there. I hope not. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true, too. Check with those day camps because I'd be also be worried about it just getting wet and ruined yeah. and stolen and whatever. Um, and then try it at home. Just try to have unplugged days. If you're a camp mom, if you're camp dad, if you're whatever it is, as a family, unplug. Yeah, parents have to do it too. Yeah, you have yeah. to do it. And summer's the perfect time to do it. So let us know if you're going to unplug at all this summer. Um, and leave your kids alone. <laughs> and we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Hi, we are back with our Bites of the Week, and Amy's going first because Amy always goes first. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I've kind of got a threefer this time. Wow. Um, because a couple months ago, my husband and I were riveted to the FX miniseries People versus O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. Um, it was really, really good. It was an amazing cast. If you haven't seen it, I think you can still watch it on, on FX. I'll check that out. Um, so that was great. And then the minute that episodes would end, I would grab my computer and Vanity Fair had these amazing recaps where they would do a fact check. And tell you, like, how close the miniseries was going to the truth. So if you haven't seen that and read that, catch up. Because this week, ABC and ESPN have this really, really fantastic, I think it's seven and a half hour miniseries. It's a documentary um, called OJ, Made in America. And... You know, where the where the the miniseries was really based on the lawyers, it was really focusing on the lawyer's story on both sides. Um, the documentary is all about OJ, and it gives what the miniseries was missing, which is context. Like, I grew up in Buffalo, and I somehow missed the whole football fever thing. So I didn't understand. <laughs> How did that yeah, happen? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm a freak. Um, so I lived in Buffalo when the white Bronco thing happened, and everybody I knew, white or black, didn't matter. They were all on OJ's side. I lived in North Carolina during the trial where everybody I knew who was black thought OJ was innocent, and everybody I knew who was white thought that he was guilty. It was so weird. Like, the football thing was... United Buffalo. Yeah, it was <laughs> so weird, and I didn't get it. And 
so this series, like, it starts off with him being a college star, and it really gives the the story of just how much fame impacted him and how much race impacted him and how much race impacted the police who were dealing with all of this. So um, there are different ways to watch it. I think you can watch it on ESPN Go um, starting today. I'll put the whole list of how you can see it. You can buy it on DVD on Amazon. But I've watched two episodes so far. It's really, really excellent. Cool. All right, Andrea. Okay, I have a little gadget. Not too techy though. So this week I went to something called the Outdoor Retailers Show. It was kind of fun. Um, lots of outdoor type, you know, hiking boots, jackets, stuff like that. But That's I found so something. So not up my alley. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, does it do anything? Does it have an LED light? Does it have a room key at the Four Seasons? Techy at all? <laughs> But I found one product that I actually like. So I'm sitting here looking at Rebecca's lovely water bottle, jar, <laughs> My glass. My swag water Her bottle. swag from Disney. Was that from Disney? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My bejeweled coffee mug. <laughs> and uh, so I found something called the Life Straw, which is exactly that. I'm going to show my co-host here oh, a picture. I think I have one of the, like, just the straw but part without the, the bottle. Well, so, and I'm always like, well, who needs another drink bottle, right? I mean, you know, I'm we're in. packing a move. I can't tell you. When I come to my house, I have a box of 20 swag drink bottles that I'm giving away. This one, though, has a filter inside the straw or around the straw. Mm -hmm. So basically, it was created for outdoor use if you're camping, sailing, um, and you're collecting rainwater, or you have to drink non-potable water. Or for the apocalypse. Or for the apocalypse, (laughs) exactly. I uh, I saw a demo of something like that, and this is when I bought the straw. They drank right then, out yeah, of this like did. brown, uh, murky, I disgusting have a video water. Of it. I took a video, and we can post it. This <laughs> yes. woman literally put this filter, and that's what uh, made me pick it up. I was like, right, if you haven't died in 10 minutes, I'll buy it's, one. It looked like bracket. We call Follow it brackish water. And it was brown, and it had like protozoas in it. Oh. You know, and, it was, and I'm going, please don't drink right, that. Right, like when you collect tadpoles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, she just drank it, and the, the filter just sucks it all up and cleans it out and literally delivers. So if you're one of those parents who's really worried about getting chlorine or contaminants, I don't know that you're going to have protozoa in your kid's water this (laughs) summer, but... I really recommend it. And of course, the filter is changeable. It's like $10 and you can buy a new filter. Okay. So it's called Life Straw. It's very attractive. It comes in different colors. I think it's like 40 or $50. And we'll put a link and I'll also send the video yes. of the woman drinking the You can't put price. a price on not drinking protozoa. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so well, when you're super unplugged, you might need that this summer. <laughs> it's definitely something to take to camp. Uh, yes. I'm actually, maybe they, I do need another water bottle for them. Maybe I'll do that. Um, so my bite of the week is like the most obvious bite in the world, but I don't care. We saw Beyonce last week. <laughs> if you haven't seen Beyonce live, you have <laughs> to go see Beyonce. Like if she's coming to a town near you, it might already be sold out. Get your get yourself on StubHub. It is the best money you'll ever spend. I always regretted that I never saw Michael Jackson live. Hmm. That is one of the oh. people that I wish I had seen. Um my husband saw everybody literally my husband saw everybody growing up he saw prince he saw madonna he saw michael jackson and on the real tour, like on the good tour right. you know like thriller purple rain like like virgin you name it so i took my daughters to see beyonce because i felt like you have to see beyonce mm-hmm. and you have to see beyonce now yeah. after lemonade just came out right because she first of all she sang acapella i think at least three times mm-hmm. like full song that you we're like, holy everything. 
this she is so not auto-tuned like in a world of not to knock the selena gomez's of the world and those people but like in a world of pyrotechnics auto-tuning you know she is the real freaking deal in every way she can sing like there's nobody's business but it was the most diverse crowd I have ever seen at a concert in my life and I'm not just not age age range age they were eight year olds on their dad's shoulder and they were no wow. joke like 80 year old grandmas <laughs> dressed like they were no dressed like dressed to the nines there were like you know pretty gay boys and like older gay men in suits there was every color skin color you can imagine there was it was the most diverse the most joyous crowd from the second we got off the subway I mean, mm. my daughters have never experienced that they've been to quite a few concerts but like we got off the subway and people were already wearing their Beyonce shirts and people were like cheering and yelling <laughs> like it was awesome and she obviously she freaking brings it like the show but let me tell you all female band wow. all female drummer all female. bassist guitarist who like rocked out all female backup singers all female dancers there was not a man on that stage <laughs> And the only thing I will say that's funny about it, and it obviously, you know, it makes total sense because she's Beyonce and like everything has to be totally perfect. But there's not an ad lib moment in that. It is like (laughs) script, 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 script. Um, But it is unbelievable. And she reminds me of Michael Jackson in the way she when she talks, she has this like very sweet like gentle demeanor and then all of a sudden she like turns it on <laughs> you're like whoa like it is a totally different person when she sings but it was amazing um it was truly amazing in every way so if beyonce is coming to a town near you or near enough to you go and take your daughters take your sons because they will definitely remember it forever um i don't know see people when they're at their freaking peak just do it because seeing people live we were just talking about this about being unplugged or whatever that live concert experience is still something really special that is different live it's live theater live is different it's just so fun to take your kids to a concert and experience it through their eyes it is so so much fun and she's got great merch i will say that i (laughs) i am i i never like to leave my house i hate crowds i hate noise but the times when I have dragged myself to a concert, there's just something about it. You know, like you don't even have to really like the person who's no. singing. Right. And still, it's but an it's amazing just, experience. Yeah, incredible. yeah. And she, you know, I mean, she's such a pro. Like she knows how to do it all. Um, and she went way back in her her repertoire. Like she was singing Destiny's Child. Like hmm. she knew every, what everyone wanted to hear. Nice. She's no like, I am going to play this now. Screw you. She's like, I know what you came for. <laughs> um, but she, it was awesome. And we got home at 1.30 in the morning. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> but it was worth it. So that is my bite of the week, Beyonce, who's more than a bite because um, <laughs> she's Beyonce. Anyway, thank you, ladies. Um, you can listen to us on ParentingBites.com. Mm-hmm. You can check us out on Facebook.com slash ParentingBites where we will have links. Oh, my God, all those books Sandy yep. talked about. We're going to have links to all the books. Um, I, I feel like I took notes while I was talking because I can't even <laughs> I wait I wrote one for Amy to write up the show page. <laughs> I'm going to like, start ordering tonight. We will have links to everything we talked about. Um, maybe to Beyonce, too. And definitely to that water bottle oh, that <laughs> and all the OJ stuff. Um, and that is it. You can follow us on Twitter, hashtag Parenting Bites, and of course, play.it, where you can find Parenting Bites and all of the CBS podcasts. iTunes, subscribe, rate, review. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Till next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.